Hello and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's April 30th, 2021. I'm Eric Thompson, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Biden's executive order raises the minimum wage for federal contractors to $15 an hour. Two, app tracking transparency is good and good for Apple's business. And three, Amazon brings Amazon One palm scanning checkout to Whole Foods. Shift one, Biden's executive order raises the minimum wage for federal contractors to $15 an hour. This week, U.S. President Biden signed an executive order to increase the minimum wage for federal contractors and subcontractors from $10.95 to $15 per hour. Biden had previously signed an executive order in January 2021 directing the Office of Personnel Management to come up with a plan to raise the minimum wage for federal employees to $15 an hour. The new order, which had been expected in Biden's first 100 days, builds upon a 2014 executive order signed by President Obama that established a separate higher minimum wage for federal contractors. The recent move is expected to affect quote-unquote hundreds of thousands of workers on government contracts, many of them lower-wage contractors in the services sector. There are an estimated 4 to 5 million workers on federal contracts, and about 10,000 companies hold contracts. Those impacted by the order include workers in cleaning services, food preparation, nursing, construction, and maintenance. Like the 2014 order, it doesn't appear to impact businesses that supply only goods to the government. The new order requires all federal agencies to apply the $15 per hour minimum wage in new contract solicitations, contracts, and contract extensions beginning in January 2022. There is one exception. If a solicitation went out just before January 2022, there was a 60-day grace period to sign the contract before the $15 per hour minimum wage would apply. The minimum wage will be adjusted to inflation every year thereafter. The lower, tipped minimum wage, currently $7.65 for federal contractors, will also be raised and eventually phased out by 2024. The order did not include the paid leave requirement that had been expected. However, the Biden administration separately announced its American Families Plan proposal this week which includes a national paid leave program. The administration hopes the higher minimum wage will have the impact of raising wages more broadly in markets where companies compete with the federal government for workers. The executive order comes on the heels of Biden's effort to raise the national minimum wage from $7.25 to $15 per hour, a provision that was removed from the $1.9 trillion stimulus package signed in March 2021. The Bipartisan Congressional Budget Office, CBO, released a study in February 2021 that found increasing the national minimum wage to $15 per hour by 2025 would have mixed results. 17 million people, 10% of the labor force, whose wages would otherwise be under $15 per hour would see direct impact, and another 10 million people whose wages would be just slightly over $15 per hour may be affected as well, if employers try to maintain pay differences. The CBO study projected that, with an increase to $15 per hour by 2025, 900,000 people would be brought out of poverty, but 1.4 million jobs would be lost. It expects job losses would disproportionately fall on younger, less educated people. The increase would also likely drive up inflation and interest rates, and increase the cumulative federal budget deficit by $54 billion 
over the 10-year period from 2021 to 2031. Given that 2020's deficit was $3.1 trillion, this increase is relatively tiny, about 0.2% annually. The Biden administration has countered with studies suggesting the move could increase worker productivity, reduce turnover, and decrease recruiting and training costs. In one Harvard study of a Fortune 500 online retailer, the return on a $1 per hour increase was about $1.50 in higher productivity and lower costs. Other studies have found that the impact of pay increases depends on how they are perceived by employees, for example, as an above-market gift. None of 50 U.S. states today have a minimum wage of $15 per hour or more. More than half are at less than $10, though eight states and some cities have planned increases to $15. A minimum wage increase is expected to have a larger impact in regions where more workers are being paid less than minimum wage today, such as rural areas with a lower cost of living. While more people there will benefit from a higher minimum wage, these are also the areas that will see the greatest job losses. Some businesses will respond by investing in tools that make higher wage employees more productive. Others will accelerate their adoption of automation, as higher wages increase the returns on investment in automation. Not all jobs will be equally impacted. Roles like data entry and office support are more susceptible to automation, whereas nursing and electrical work are less so. There's also a growing middle ground where automation is gaining penetration, including warehouse workers, truck drivers, food service workers, and cleaners, some of whom are already finding tasks being nibbled away at the edges. To read more content on automation and its growing use cases in the workforce, check out our April 29th, 2021 brief, The Growing GPTX Economy, and our April 23rd, 2021 Three Shifts Edition, Kroger's new automated large-scale shed versus rivals' micro-fulfillment strategy. Shift 2. App tracking transparency is good, and good for Apple's business. Earlier this week, Apple pushed its controversial iOS 14.5 release with the new app tracking transparency, or ATT, feature. ATT proactively asks Apple device owners in a pop-up if they would like to allow a given app to track their data across other apps and websites. It also lets users turn off the ability for any app to request cross-site tracking. ATT has triggered blowback from app developers who fear it will impact their ability to target users or sell data for advertising. While Apple gives developers a space on the pop-up to make their case to users for why they are collecting data, most industry watchers expect the vast majority of users, perhaps 60-80%, to 80%, will reject the tracking requests. Facebook, for instance, expects just 20% of users to allow tracking and projects it will lose 7% of revenue. Mobile advertising today is heavily reliant on device-based, user-resettable advertising IDs, what Apple calls IDFA, or Identifier for Advertisers. These IDs are used to link the user's activity on the device with their activity elsewhere. If a user opts out, app developers are barred from viewing the IDFA and restricted at a policy level from using any identifier, for example, IDFA, phone number, or email, for cross-site targeting or data sharing. Developers are also responsible for any user tracking by third-party integrations in their app. Facebook, for instance, has a very popular SDK used widely by thousands of iOS apps. While developers install the SDK as a convenience, for example, login, analytics, and ads integration, it is a significant source of data for Facebook, which would be impacted if developers become reluctant to integrate the SDK. 
The update has prompted app developers to seek workarounds. Snap, for instance, has been testing a technique called probabilistic matching, with the idea of potentially applying to cohorts. The China Advertising Association is testing a new advertising identifier, CAID, with P&G, Deloitte, PwC, Nielsen, and the Chinese big tech firms. Some companies are exploring fingerprinting, a somewhat unsavory approach that uses attributes like operating system, browser, language, screen size, fonts, installed plugins, and especially IP address to fingerprint a device. While banned by Apple, quote-unquote server-to-server fingerprinting can be hard to detect. Facebook has gone to war with Apple, launching its own campaign presenting the update as harmful to small businesses and the free ad-based app model enjoyed by consumers. France and Germany, lobbied by publishers and advertising firms, launched investigations in Apple for abuse of market dominance. Ruling against Apple is not a done deal, however, given its emphasis on user privacy and control. France's preliminary conclusions were that Apple's actions were not abusive. Apple's app tracking policies apply to its own apps, and none of its apps and services do cross-site tracking or share data with brokers. It's looking like advertising IDs may not last in their current form. Given recent moves by Apple and Google, the two leading mobile operating systems and browser players, as well as regulator scrutiny of cross-site tracking. It's still not clear what the IDs will be replaced with. Native attribution APIs like Apple's SCAD network, fingerprinting, cohort-level techniques, or another approach altogether. What we do know is that all paths going forward will lead to and through consent. Two of the biggest risks for big tech firms right now are consumer trust and antitrust. In a world of increasing privacy regulation and phase-out of cross-site tracking, big tech firms, including Facebook, can continue to access the massive streams of first-party data that flow through the products in their walled gardens. But even big tech firms will need users to give consent, especially if their data is being sold or shared. Apple is just riding on that wave. Control of these walled gardens also means that big tech firms will continue to be the subject of antitrust suits around the world. Apple has long been in a unique position to lead on data privacy and security, but it was around three years ago that a critical insight seemed to switch on. Around 2018, probably not coincidentally the year that GDPR went into effect, Apple began to deliberately invest in positioning around user privacy and trust. At a time when data was still considered the new oil, CEO Tim Cook began publicly condemning the quote-unquote data industrial complex. These recent changes stand to boost Apple's advertising business and App Store revenue. Apple has long had ambitions for its own ad network, with only limited success compared to Google which generated $147 billion in advertising revenue last year, Facebook, $84 billion, and Amazon, which is expected to generate $26 billion in advertising revenue this year. Apple is estimated to generate $2 billion in annual revenue from search ads, with 80% margins, up from less than $1 billion in 2017. It also sells ads in other apps, for example, stocks and news, and is launching a new App Store ad slot under suggested apps. Advertisers who buy Apple ads inside its walled garden can reportedly get more performance data and sooner than if they buy through third-party ad platforms. Apple's own ad products only allow for group targeting, so they face fewer restrictions. The App Store will rise in importance for user discovery of apps, and if demand for Apple's limited inventory of ad slots goes up, prices will likely go up as well. Finally, as ad-based models become less appealing for developers, more apps will be driven towards subscription-based models on the App Store, where Apple takes a 15-30% to 30% cut. 
To read more content related to digital advertising and privacy, check out our June 24th, 2020 brief, Publishers and Retail Brands Adapt to the Coming Death of Third-Party Cookies. In our January 20th, 2020 brief, Google Chrome and the Reinvigoration of Browsers Around Privacy. Shift 3. Amazon brings Amazon One palm scanning checkout to Whole Foods. Last week, Amazon rolled out its Amazon One palm scanning payment technology to a Whole Foods in the Seattle area, a first for the grocery chain. Amazon One allows shoppers to pay for items at checkout by waving their palm over a scanner that reads their unique biometric information. The scanners use computer vision to analyze the unique lines, ridges, and vein patterns of a person's palm to uniquely identify them. Traditional payment methods will also continue to be available. The Amazon One Palm Scanners, originally launched in September 2020, were already in use at 13 Amazon Go, Amazon Go Grocery, Amazon Books, Amazon 4-Star, and Amazon Pop-Up Stores. The system will be rolled out to seven additional Whole Foods stores in the Seattle area over the next few months. Shoppers can sign up at supported locations by scanning one or both palms and linking a credit card. Palms can also be linked to a user's Amazon Prime account to get their member discount. According to Amazon, quote-unquote thousands of customers have already signed up. Amazon has broader ambitions to license the palm scanning technology to other companies, for example, retailers, stadiums, and offices, similar to how it is licensing its Amazon Go Just Walk Out technology. Just Walk Out is another system for contactless payments that allows users to scan an app on their way into a store and walk out with their items without having to scan or interact with a cashier. At Amazon Go stores, palm scanning is used as an entry option alongside the Just Walk Out technology. Amazon views palm prints as more private than other biometrics like facial recognition, since they are not readily observable to malicious actors. Palm scans can also be more accurate and secure, depending on how the technology is implemented and can even test for a live human being. It's not foolproof, however, and unlike a password, you can't change your palm print. Amazon One stores the encrypted user data on the cloud, unlike other consumer biometrics like Apple's Face ID that store encrypted information locally on-device. Amazon's use case doesn't lend itself to on-device processing. Cloud storage has industry observers concerned, however, about the potential for privacy breaches as the technology is scaled to the masses. This broader Whole Foods rollout of Amazon One will serve as a proving ground for the technology, furthering Amazon's ambitions on multiple fronts, online-offline retail, enterprise and industry cloud services, payments, prime membership growth, and more. Palms are readily usable and on hand for more convenient transactions. Their use as a method of identification and payment is highly versatile across different settings, from resorts and amusement parks to universities and hospitals. Amazon One has potential to be leveraged in a larger identity play that could one day replace keys, tickets, and passports. As Amazon seeks to position itself as an essential infrastructure layer, it will have to overcome questions as to whether it can be trusted. Retail businesses, in particular, even if they are interested in the technology, might be reluctant to share their customer and transaction data with Amazon. To read more content related to biometric data and privacy, check out our April 15, 2020 brief, Geolocation Tracking and the Expansion of Government Surveillance. In our October 13, 2019 brief, Will national facial recognition programs be a new normal? That's it for this week's Three Shifts edition. 
If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts Edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on the growth of accessibility features on tech platforms and products. And talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts Edition.